Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We get together with some of the smartest women in the business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy, and today we are exploring some of the most interesting ETF launches that seem to be flying under the radar. Joining me for this conversation is Heather Bell, Managing Editor at ETF.com. Wait, we work together, Heather. That's true. What's up? Not much going on with me except prepping for vacation. (laughs) (laughs) The good stuff. Yes, exactly. So, Heather, you wrote this really interesting article recently. It's coming out on, on the next issue of ETF Report, the magazine. If you don't get it, guys, check it out. And it really looks into, you know, what we call under the radar launches of the past year, or sometimes we call them, you know, hidden jams. But the point being, these are great funds that, you know, innovate somehow, and they go a lot, a lot of times unnoticed. Before we get into some of these interesting tickers you highlight in the story, I actually wanted to ask you about the process. So I'm curious to hear how you actually find what makes a hidden jam a hidden jam, especially in a year when, you know, we've talked about nothing but ARC funds and space exploration and QQQ's new sibling strategies and work from home related thematics and crypto, crypto, crypto until we can get crypto no more. (laughs) With so much of this stuff commanding our attention, What's your process to spotting the hidden jams? Well, the first thing I did was kind of look for things that had significant assets, just as a marker, like INFL, the Horizon Kinetics Fund, which kind of looks to play inflation. That has like, I think over 345 million right now. That's quite a bit for a fund from a small issuer that has one fund on the market. And it's inflation take really kind of sucked me in because there's not a lot of inflation plays out there. There's a few, I'm pretty sure, but it was interesting to see one launch brand new that kind of just really looks like it takes mostly an equities approach to things. So I wanted to highlight that fund, especially since all the headlines lately seem to somehow work in inflation if they're not about cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then for a fund like the advisor shares restaurants ETF, EATS, E-A-T-Z, that one I selected because we've seen restaurant ETFs launch before, but we've never seen one launch at a time when restaurants were so beaten down. So The others, like I believe they were traded under the tickers Menu and Byte, they closed fairly quickly, but this one might have some legs because it's looking to ride up industry that's been really beaten down. It also has an active management twist that the previous ones haven't had. So I was looking at kind of, does it take an interesting angle? Does it have some assets? I mean, when I selected EATZ, it didn't have significant assets, but I thought it was just its angle was definitely interesting. And, you know, a new angle and um, just something that seems like it would be of interest to investors that they might not have noticed because there's so many overpowering launches this year, like the ARC Space Fund or the ginormous carbon readiness ETF that iShares launched. So I wanted to find something that was maybe off the beaten path a little too. Yeah, it's it's fascinating just this exercise of finding the cool idea, but how timing plays such a big role in that. I mean, you know, the menu and bite 
they didn't stick at all. And yet mm-hmm. today, restaurants in a way are the value play of value plays and the market is has an appetite for that. And so the timing can really translate into success for an idea that isn't necessarily new, but it's timely all of a sudden. Right. Absolutely. I actually think that would be a really cool story idea to go back and look at previous closures and see, well, maybe there would be an audience for it now, because I know that's happened a lot in the past. Which I actually think, you know, it's also an interesting perspective, because in the ETF space, as you know, we are always focused so much on the passive investing mm-hmm. element of it, and long-term time horizon, all that business of diversification, balanced portfolios. But there really is a whole business here for a more tactical or strategic play that is, you know, either a reaction to a market environment or that offers a a short-term opportunity. And we see a lot of success in, in things like that. Absolutely. And the ETF rule did change a lot of that because, um, They've opened the doors to active management because of the custom baskets that the ETF rule allows. When I interview new issuers anymore, almost all of them, if they're in active managers, they say that the ETF rule played a huge part in that. So I guess we're going to see a lot more kind of like active strategies trying to differentiate themselves in the space. If you guys don't know, Heather does a phenomenal job, the best in this business actually, of tracking daily ETF launches, closures, issuers come to the space. It's uh, She's the keeper of record for the industry. <laughs> we keep her on her toes doing that. So, you know, there's so many new names coming to the market. So not only there's innovation in ETFs and tickers, but in the issuers themselves, themselves. Does anything in that stands out to you, either the type of issuer that's coming to market or their expertise or, you know, even their chances of success, anything, any color there? Well, I guess what we're seeing, like I mentioned, the ETF rule changed the game a lot. We're seeing a lot of smaller shops come to market with like, you know, something that their clients might like or their clients already like. And they're taking those strategies and putting them in an ETF wrapper and providing them to the wider market, which is, I think, interesting. I'm not like a huge active management promoter. I'm very much in the like, you know, cap-weighted broad asset classes, but it's really interesting to see these strategies coming to market. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how much in assets they gather as like, or is, is it going to resonate with ETF investors who might not be existing clients? You know what I mean? There's going to be some firms that just bring their own clients to the game. Like I think that's what uh, Six Meridian does, I'm pretty sure. And Cabana, I believe a lot of, they have a lot of assets in their new funds that they launched recently, like within the past 12 months. And They've attracted those assets because their clients have wanted that ETF wrapper. But I'm curious as to how many of these firms that are launching these active strategies are going to be able to get that story told to the wider market such that they would be getting assets from ETF investors um, who, you know, think that strategy is going to work for them. I feel like it's very challenging to tell an active management story in a way that it's going to you know, suck in someone who's already, you know, investing and maybe has their own plan. 
are they going to want to adopt someone else's strategy? Yeah, it's if, if Jillian Del Signore were here, she'd be like, it's all about distribution. <laughs> you got to get it out there. But uh, we love the story, right? For us, it's all about the compelling story. And ARC does it better than anybody else in the active space. Oh, yeah. um, so it's it's been quite the playbook for, for active managers to, to use. Um, what I also think is interesting is, you know, Maybe the first point of telling a good story is coming up with a compelling ETF name uh, on these under the radar funds that you singled out. You know, there's things that they don't really tell you very much what the fund is about. So, for example, and I'm not picking on anybody here, but the main <laughs> the main thematic ETF, TMAT, which is a new launch that you, you know, singled out as a hidden jam, you know, Thematic ETF, that's the name of it. I mean, what theme? Uh, it, it almost seems like they could have done a, a a better job of narrowing it down, unless that's the whole point. Is just <laughs> That is kind of the point with that fund. It's all the themes. So maybe they should have called it the main all the themes <laughs> innovation ETF. <laughs> it literally, it takes all the like, I guess, the hot themes that they think have a long-term kind of value. And it targets those ETFs. I think when I looked at it, they had the ARC-G ETF in there and TAN, the solar ETF from Invesco. So it's any theme that is catching investor interest, I believe, and that they think has a real legitimate argument for it. Um, Basically, you're letting the experts, in this case, main management, which is, you know, a pretty solid firm, pick the funds for you. Mm-hmm. Like pick your pick your thematic portfolio. Yeah, which is the gist of active management, right? You got to trust the active manager you're selecting. Yeah. Conceptually, though, quick question. Yes. We love to li- pay lip service in this business about, you know, how the ETF market is really the playground of innovators and we're all so cool and have so many cool ideas and we democratize access and we make it in, you know, high fashion, basically. Do you believe that? Do you really think ETFs are still reshaping the way investors invest in new ways today? We're almost 30 years since the first one launched in the U.S. Or are we just in a way, in many ways, recycling old ideas or what do you think? Well, I feel like investing is almost always recycling old ideas to a certain extent. But, you know, ETFs did democratize things for sure. You can get uh, full, like, equity U.S. market access for three basis points right now. Mm-hmm. That is bonkers and a lovely thing. And right now, yeah, it's definitely still innovating and still democratizing. Um, you look at a firm like Simplify. They have all these active strategies. A lot of them are options-based. And they're kind of taking their goal, which they've told me every time I've interviewed them, is to basically take institutional quality strategies and repackage them for, you know, just the average investor who couldn't access them at the institutional level. So you've got them for a low price. Um, Their ETFs are really reasonably priced. So yeah, I think that is definitely like a place where innovation is still occurring. With thematics, you could probably make the argument, are these just the shiny new objects? And I don't know the answer to that. I find some themes very compelling and see like a future for them just, you know, from my own perspective. But, you know, maybe some of them aren't going to be that enduring. It's something we're going to see shake out, I guess. Will investors pick the right ones? Well, that's always a guess, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. 
So you want to do a quick quiz? Uh-oh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll keep the time frame super relaxed so there's no such thing as a wrong yeah. answer. How about that? <laughs> I'm getting really nervous now, but okay. <laughs> all right. So in all your years of experience of tracking this business, mm-hmm. what is the best ETF ever launched that you were really shocked to see closed? You know, most of them close because of low assets. I think the one that shocked me the most was when the spiders did kind of like a cleanup of their lineup and they shut down their brick fund, which had like 75 million in assets. And that's like for any like smaller issuer, a $75 million fund would be viewed as a jackpot. But you know, the spiders are such a big fund family that closing something like that wasn't really a big deal. And I mean, you could also say that the BRIC investment thesis has run its course. So I guess it wasn't that surprising, but it's just shocking anytime you see an ETF with 75 million just, you know, evaporate. (laughs) No, fair enough. So on the other side of that, we'll call it surprising. What is the most surprising ETF to hit massive assets quickly that left you, you know, scratching your head? (laughs) (laughs) This one, I don't know. I I really cannot answer this question. I may have to look up a few things. You know, it's a good question. I don't know what I would say to that either. It's a longer, it's a, I feel like that's a long feature story in ETFR. (laughs) Maybe some crazy theme that came and we didn't think it was going to stick. I don't know. Yeah. We have, oh, you know what though? What's an interesting one is, remember, there was another buzz ETF before Van Eck opened there. Oh, good one. It was open for maybe a year, if that. And that one, I guess, yeah, I think that was, I think it was run by Sprott. It tracked the exact same index. And the Van Eck one is getting a lot more assets, I think. And the Sprott one had to fold. And it was just a difference of a few years. And that kind of speaks back to what we were talking about with timing of launches, I think. Mm-hmm. It was maybe just a little too far ahead of its time. Um, it was, I think it would have been one of the first ETFs to use artificial intelligence. You know, that wasn't really something that was widespread in the industry. And now it's kind of not unusual to see an ETF that implements artificial intelligence. And so... I think it was a better environment for it just a couple years later. Yeah, it's amazing. I I think he even had a similar ticker, if not the exact same. B-U-Z as opposed to (laughs) B-U-Z-Z. Yeah, see, a little bit less buzz on the first one. The second one came with extra buzz. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so last question. Your favorite new ETF idea. So some kind of innovation that you found really exciting when you first read about it. I've actually been thinking about the hydrogen energy ETFs. Uh, Direction launched the first one, HDRO. And then, uh, I'm sorry, that was Defiance launched the first one, HDRO. Direction followed up with its own, I think it trades under the ticker HJEN. I could be wrong. I find it interesting because it's a 
you know, clean energy that we haven't really seen represented before in the clean energy space. I believe what's been going on is that they've been kind of rapidly developing better fuel cell technology, and that's made it kind of possible to have a fund on this. I believe it was either Defiance. I think Defiance told me that you wouldn't have been able to do this fund a year ago. Hmm. So it's a really new emerging industry, and it's definitely just something interesting to add to the wind energy, the solar, the, do we have a hydro energy, like water energy? I don't know. But it's definitely something to add to the clean energy pantheon. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes, because it's that the progress of that, those funds is going to be tied to the progress of that industry, which is currently, you know, undergoing all kinds of innovation and developments. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense. It's another timely launch for sure. So how often should we expect to see or when should we expect to see your next uh, hidden jam article? (laughs) How often do do you put them out so we can... Make sure to mark our calendars. Give me another six months and I'll, I'll probably have a whole new crop because we're having a pretty good amount of launches. We've had, I think, 136 so far, just based on Inception that launched this year. So I'm not sure how that compares with last year. I'm actually working on an article about that right now. We have had a ridiculously low number of closures, though. Mm-hmm. So... That's probably going to be more of a focus for me going forward. Um, I think we've had like maybe 20 closures, if that. By this time last year, I think we probably had something like 75 to over 100. Hmm. So Amazing. I am just spitballing with this. I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but that's kind of my guesses. No, that's good. And we won't hold you to it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather... Thank you so much for being the keeper of record for the industry and for ETF.com and for, for joining the show today. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It was great to be back on. For more information on this podcast or to pick up some previous episodes, check out ETF.com. If you'd like more information or ways to get involved with women in ETFs, check out womeninetfs.com. On behalf of the ETF.com team, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. 